So I don't think anybody's drinking the tiger blood, but USC is winning. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching me on YouTube, wherever you'd like to download your podcast, we're free. Really appreciate your support. If you're not watching or listening, I don't need to be here. So to all of you who have become a subscriber, thank you so very much. If you're watching on YouTube, you want to help the show out, hit that subscribe button. Liking the show does the same thing. Both mean a whole heck of a lot to the show. And this episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com forward slash college, And when you enter a promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, they're going to throw in a free custom Bird Dog Yeti Tumbler with every single order. This thing's really cool. So the recruits, they're not... Look, if, if you don't know the whole drinking tiger blood thing, look up Charlie Sheen. No one's drinking tiger blood around USC's campus, but the recruits, they're drinking the Kool-Aid, and that cult is starting to get much bigger right now. Yesterday, well, depending on when you're watching this episode, on Monday, um, USC won the day when they got three commitments to publicly announce, and they were... Those guys added to the two that announced on Sunday uh, that gave USC basically five commitments coming out of their official visit weekend within a 24-hour period. And that doubled their class number. USC entered the weekend with three commitments. They have eight now. They actually have more than that, but they have eight publicly announced commitments. And I actually have some more uh, reactions from those guys and their families uh, who were, who committed over the weekend. And I also have some reactions from those who have not committed yet. I didn't really get to go into to, uh, too much depth on yesterday's episode, trying just to get everybody caught up with what was going on. So now I can kind of peel back the peel back the layers a little bit, and go a little bit deeper. Not a whole lot, but you know, give you a little bit more. So let's talk about the offensive lineman, uh, Manasi Ititi. He is a really big guy. And before this past weekend's official visit, uh, Ititi had said uh, that Florida State is the top school right now, but the official visits will be really big for him. And that, I believe that was back in April. And then um, in May, uh, the six remember he's he's a really big young man. He's six foot five. He's probably pushing three hundred pounds. Um, it, uh, Manasi told on three networks Chad Simmons, "quote I don't want to go somewhere where they just care about you because you're a football player. I want to go somewhere that people care about you first of all because you're a human being." They want you to get better. They want you to be successful. They support you on and off the field. That's the most important thing for me. 
That is what the Trojan family is all about. That's how it's sold. It obviously made a big impression with the uh, with the young man because, remember, Florida State was where everyone thought he was going. He is now committed to USC after his official visit. And yes, there's a lot of time between now and December signing day, but this one feels really good. The way he described um, that those types of feelings, that's somebody who's looking beyond football, and that's something USC offers probably better than anybody else out there. Uh, let's talk about Cameron Fountain. We talked about how his mom was sold, and once moms are sold, once the mama bear is taken care of, it's pretty much game over. Just a reminder again, this is what uh, Cameron's mom said uh, after the visit. If Cam said to me today, Mom, I don't want to go on any more visits, I will be fine because his future means more to me. Football will be there and leave. What will happen when it's gone? USC has already made me comfortable enough to know that he will be okay, end quote. Back on May 9th, uh, Cameron told WRC's uh, Scott Schrader, quote, It's a beautiful place out in California. I have talked to the entire coaching staff at USC. Um, Coach Riley told me we should come out and visit the campus, so that, that was really great. It was amazing talking to him. After his visit, Cameron said, quote, I had the best experience of my, by far in my life. Like I said, I'm 100 percent, 100 million percent committed. I had to count all those zeros. <laughs> so, again, a lot of time between now and December. He's from Georgia. You have to assume uh, the folks down home are going to continue the full court press. But between Cameron and his mom, you're going to have to pry her away from USC if you want to get Cameron back in looking at another school. How about Dakota Fields? Um, I, I talked about how he mentioned he wants to, he wanted to get his commitment out of the way so he can start help building the momentum with this recruiting class. He's already started. Uh, he, like many of the recruits from Southern California, they're being recruited by, not just by USC, they're also being recruited by Oregon. So everyone would agree, Dakota is one of the top cornerbacks, not just in California, but in the country. And as far as he is concerned, he was asked, um, you know, if he would still take any more visits now. Quote, I've been to both schools a fair amount of times, and I feel like when it comes to football, they're, ev they're evenly matched. He's referring to USC and Oregon. What gives USC the edge is the value of the degree and the endless amount of networking opportunities. So because I feel like I would succeed at both schools in football, I decided to choose the school that will give me the best experience and success off the field, and that's USC. So anybody hoping that he was going to take his Oregon official visit, he's seen enough. You want more of Dakota Fields? Head on over to wrc.com and read the full interview that Scott Schrader was able to pull. And oh, by the way, I think I'm heading over to, to Sarah High School tomorrow. Uh, they're doing uh, some 
summer workouts. I'm going to go check it out, catch up, see what's going on over there. I may or may not have an update for you. I probably will. And look, he may or he may not be a silent commit, but it kind of feels like he is as each day passes by. Taylor Tatum, the number one running back recruit in the country, said, you, you know, basically he said, USC absolutely crushed this weekend's official visit. Quote, Coach Riley's offense is damn near perfect for me, end quote. And despite not having a commitment date set yet, uh, Tatum did say that a decision could come soon after his remaining June official visits. But he also added, quote, a commitment here and a commitment there, and I could bump my commitment date up. So depending on how the dominoes fall, either at USC or other places, um, Taylor might be making a decision sooner than uh, before he gets a chance to finish those official visits he still has on his docket. And again, you need to go over to WeRSC.com when you're done making Locked On USC your first listen. Uh, but I want to give you another quote from uh, Taylor Tatum. Quote, we, and he's referring to himself and coach uh, Kyle McDonald, talked about how he's going to take two running backs and he how they already have one, Brian Jackson. He knows I'm a guy who wants to take a few official visits and how busy I am, and I asked him to give me some time to get these OVs, official visits, out of the way. I'm not asking for too much. I just want to make the right decision. I think Coach McDonald understood that, and his chances are good, end quote. Again, there's a lot of good stuff, and again, I'm not committing that Taylor Tatum is a silent, and I'm using finger quotes, commit to USC. I'm reading the tea leaves, and I'm telling everybody there's a lot of confidence going on right now. And, and the fallout from Monday's commitment bombing, so to speak, has uncommitted recruits offering some reactions as well. I quickly mentioned Marcellus Williams, the cornerback from St. John Bosco. Yesterday he had the one-word reaction when he saw Fields' commitment. Basically, it was, he said it, damn. Marcellus' uh, Bosco teammate, linebacker Kingston Viliamu Asa, he noticed Marcellus' response, and he responded with a quote, yo! <laughs> Which prompted another response from Marcellus, and it was more of a question. Quote, this where we at, fam? End quote. Everyone needs to keep in mind, both Kingston and Peyton Woodyard, the safety at Bosco, they're scheduled to take their visits together this weekend to USC. And both of those guys are going to pretty much have the staff to themselves. So if people thought this past Monday with five commitments was huge, next week could be even bigger. Maybe not in quantity as far as numbers, but possibly as far as star quality is concerned for all of you astrologers out there. And let me be frank, USC might not even be done this week. Before I started taping this episode of Locked on USC, 
Lincoln Riley threw up another Trojan. Yoo-hoo! And uh, quickly after that, Gavin Morris got in the act, and he put up 14 victory salutes. So you're going to have to stay tuned to Locked on USC so I can give you your accurate updates with some context. I mean, it could mean 14 commits, which I doubt. <coughs> or, excuse me, um, it could also be a five-star because it was the it was the gif that Gavin used. And if you go on to Twitter and you look up his Twitter timeline, he's got a hand with five fingers, and it's kind of like a revolving five-hand thing. So kind of vague, but it was, it's a big tweet. When Gavin goes something like that, USC just did something really big on the recruiting trail. So stay tuned. Hey, I've been telling you about bird dogs. Um, these things, bird dogs, shorts and pants, they're going to make you look really good. Uh, bird dogs, they have these stretch khaki shorts, and they're designed to fit slimmer through, even if you have those really thick legs and thighs, they're going to give you a really, truly a sculptured look. And bird dog shorts are going to do the exact same thing as the Lulumon, but they fit way better. So if you needed another reason not to wear Lulumon stuff, let's wear uh, bird dogs because one, they look great, they feel great, and they fit way better than regular shorts that are made of some stiff, restricting cotton. Bird dogs also use an anti-stink, anti-sweat wicking fabric, and that's gonna keep you cool and dry all day long. And they're super comfy for guys who like to feel super comfy below the belt, like me. So go to birddogs.com forward slash locked on college. Enter promo code locked on college for a free, there it is, free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off, I promise you. All right, so how many of you have seen the movie Poltergeist? or The Shining. If you if you have, you would know what I'm talking about when I do They're Here. Or um, if you saw the movie The Shining, Jack Nicholson, I'm back. Well, we're starting to see what happens when there's no one left in charge of the store. So while USC is still doing their research, looking for their next athletic director. It's still business as usual. I mean, there's stuff to be taken care of. And that includes out-of-conference scheduling. If you haven't heard by now, I'm going to tell you. Sit down. This might shock some of you. In a couple of years, 2025, there are going to be two, two former USC head coaches who left USC under less than ideal circumstances, um, who are going to be walking the sidelines of the Coliseum. USC announced on Tuesday that USC will host Georgia Southern, coached by Lane Kiffin, excuse me, coached by Clay Helton, I apologize, and uh, the Georgia Southern Eagles will be coming to USC in 2025. 
as well as Nevada, the Wolfpack, are going to make a return to the Coliseum in 2027. Now, in 2025, USC also hosts Ole Miss, coached by Lane Kiffin. USC will open that season at home August 30th against Ole Miss. A week later, Clay Hilton comes home. Again, he's back. Losing to an SEC team isn't the end of the world. Well, maybe losing to Vanderbilt. That would suck. But the last thing USC fans want to see is Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss celebrating on the tarmac as they're getting back on the airplane, leaving USC with a victory, heading back to Oxford, Mississippi. You don't know what I'm talking about? When Lane Kiffin was fired from USC, he was literally told on the tarmac as he got off the airplane, you don't have a job anymore. Talk about karma coming back to bite USC in the butt big time if that was to happen that way. So that wouldn't be the worst thing that could happen. Maybe the worst thing that could possibly happen would be for USC to lose to the Golden Eagles and Clay Helton. I mean, that would probably be worse. It would probably be worse than Pete Carroll losing to Jim Harbaugh and that Stanford team when USC was a 41.5-point favorite. But let's look at it from this way. I think USC figured out a way to help Clay Helton earn whatever money USC still owes him. So, Georgia Southern, they can take that L, that loss, back to, you know, Georgia Southern. I, was it Jonesboro? I, I can't remember off the top of my head where the, where the university is located. And, you know, they're going to take a nice, big, fat paycheck home, too, that will help their athletic department. So, Clay help welcome home. And I don't have the same type of animosity or or the vitriol that a lot of Trojan fans have for Clay. I understand their feelings, a lot of passion, but let's let's keep things in perspective. And let's remind everybody. Number one, Clay Helton did not hire himself. Two, nor did he give himself an extension. Clay Helton was trying to the best of his abilities. You can never fault somebody for trying. And he tried different things. It's not like he kept going back and trying to do the same thing over and over again, hoping for a different result. Now, a lot of times he said the same thing, and it sounded like you were looking for a different result. But he did, he tried. And that's all you could ever ask of somebody. And so while trying his best of his abilities, uh, while that might not cut it at USC, let's not also forget, he brought in some pretty nice players that uh, ended up contributing to USC and are having a pretty good career in the NFL right now. So let's not get too carried away. Uh, if he's still coaching Georgia Southern when, when they arrive, because, again, again, regardless of what you think of him as a coach, he's not a bad person. He's a really, 
genuinely nice guy. So when they come running on the field and he's leading his team, don't boo the guy. Show some class. Remember why you're a Trojan. There's other programs you can boo. Georgia Southern or Clay Helton is not worthy of it. If you disagree, let me know. I'd love to hear your feedback. <clears throat> so earlier in the day, I was on the WeRSC Inside the Trojan Huddle weekly podcast show that, I, that I'm a part of. And one of the questions that we were asked was to list the Pac-12 head coaches, rank them from worst to best, 12 to 1, 12 being the worst, 1 being the best. I'm going to give you my list here on Locked on USC. I encourage you to head on over to WeRSC, check out Inside the Trojan Huddle, because that panel of myself and Eric McKinney and Chris Arledge and Greg, Greg Katz, the host, we have a lot of fun together. And it's nice to get different opinions and different, um, different points of view on things that a lot of times we agree upon, but we just see things differently. For example, when we were talking about the uh, the Pac-12 head coaches, here's my how I listed them from worst to best. Starting at number 12, Kenny Dillingham, Arizona State head coach. He's a first-time head coach. He's super young. I mean, I'm talking, he might have some players that are, you know, grad students, grad transfers. He's not going to be that much older than he just so he doesn't have any head coaching experience. So I'm not going to put him ahead of anybody else, especially because of his youth. I'm not holding that against him, but again, this is his first head coaching position, and you're doing it at a power conference school. Sorry, you start at the bottom, you work your way up. Number eleven, I, I'm putting. Coach Primetime, Deion Sanders here. He's got coaching experience, but this is not Jackson State. I Look, he, he can talk a great game. He, uh, he's a great motivator. He's probably brought in a pretty decent uh, assistant, co assistant coaches as far as the staff is concerned. But we're going to find out if he can translate all that into uh, the Pac-12. He's got a he's got an interesting roster. If everyone thought USC had the most unique roster ever assembled, I think primetime uh, took that to a whole nother level. And you don't have to we don't have to agree with the way he went about it. I don't, but uh, we're gonna find out if he's capable of coaching at this level. Number ten, I've got Stanford's head coach Troy Taylor. Uh, he has more experience. Then Dion and Kenny, but he is he's stepping into a dumpster fire. And that's putting it kindly. That's not a reflection on him being a head coach, but we're going to find out what he can do. And if he gets Stanford looking respectable this year, he's going to move up that list. Number nine. I know this is going to tick off Oregon fans, and I don't care. I got Dan Lanning. Look. Last year, he used a ninth-year starting ninth year starting quarterback. This year, Bo Nix will be going into his 10th year. 
sixth year, whatever. But um, I think that covered up a lot of Oregon's flaws in in his first year at Oregon. And I don't know if we're going to get a, a sense of how good of a coach he is in year two as well, because again, he's returning a sixth-year quarterback. And Dan Lanning is a defensive-minded uh, head coach. They didn't look good on defense last year at all. I mean, people thought USC looked bad on defense. Go check out Oregon's film. And I also have some questions about his coaching uh, decisions in game, like when you're going for it on fourth down. So we'll see what Dan Lanning does in year two. USC comes up, they visit Austin. We'll see how if they're prepared to handle Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. <clears throat> At number eight, I've got Jed Fish. He's starting to got he he's got that Arizona program headed in the right direction. He's got the offense more than respectable. Again, show me something on defense. Number seven, uh, it, I've got Justin Wilcox in here, and I just as very well could have traded him for Troy Taylor in the spot. Justin Wilcox is a known commodity. He's very good coaching defense. He doesn't have a clue what to do with offense, though. So, again, I really didn't know where to put him. I think I'm giving him a little bit more respect due to his uh, – uh, how long he's been at Cal, and he's been able to maintain being a head coach. Number six, middle of the road, Chip Kelly. No one will argue. He knows offense. Uh, he helped make DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, look like a better-than-decent college quarterback. He knows how to use utilize the run game. Uh, I'm not so sure he's big on defense, and I know he's not a recruiting guy, so... Right there, middle of the pack. Mediocre Chip Kelly. This is where I kind of started to differentiate a little bit from my peers over there at Inside the Trojan Huddle. I've got Jake Deeker, Dickert, the uh, Washington State head coach, at number five. He's literally working at one of the toughest places in the country, and he has no resources to work with. And he has no money to work with, is what I'm really trying to say. If you remember... A couple of weeks ago, Washington State's athletic director, Pat Chun, uh, he pretty much locked up the piggy bank, took away the key from everybody, said, no more spending. We can't do anything until we figure out our budget. He's able to take whatever you can get to Washington State as far as uh, talent. And he's, you know, he's got those guys playing above their heads. This is why I've got Jake Dickert. Uh, as high as I do. And for the same reasons why I have Jonathan Smith, I probably should have him even higher, but I think number four is okay. Uh, if you remember last year, and everybody who watched USC will remember, Oregon State played USC tougher than anybody not named Utah. And Jonathan Smith, he has a system. It works. Uh, and I, he probably deserves to be coaching in a better place. And that's not a knock on Corvallis, Corvallis, but you know, if we're comparing Oregon State to Jonathan Smith's coaching abilities, you know, he he probably deserves to be in a bigger program. I love his loyalty, though. That's his alma mater. The fact that he's hanging out 
making Oregon State a, a winning program. I respect that a lot. And then as far as number three, I'm going Caleb DeVore at Washington. He did the same thing that Lincoln Riley did in one year. He took a 4-18 and and turned them into an 11-win team, a very good team. And they're going to be a very good team again in 2023. Uh, yeah, he only did it for one year at Washington. He did it at Fresno State. He turned that program around. It shows me he knows how to coach. He knows how to take a program and turn it around. And this one, I went back and forth, but I I could put on the cardinal and gold glasses, but I try and be as honest and as real as possible. Uh, Lincoln Riley comes in at number two. He is going to jump to number one real fast once he beats Kyle Whittingham in L.A. this year. Kyle Whittingham, he knows he coaches defense. His teams play tough. He gets the most out of whatever he has on his roster. And he's proven that he can, you know, coach. He, he, he's taken Utah, what Urban Meyer left him, and he's kept that program on a very steady trend. And it's all, they're moving up. However, last year, I think everybody, including Utah fan, will, should admit that they were pretty lucky against USC. They had no answer for USC offensively. It took some injuries, some questionable officiating, and if we go to the conference championship game, it was 17 to 3. And then, you know, we know what happened. We knew what was up with Caleb Williams, and that's kind of changed the complexion of that game. So, number two, Lincoln Riley. Once he gets his defensive feet under him, which is going to be this year, we can flip flop Lincoln Riley for, for Kyle Whittingham. But number two, Lincoln Riley. Number one, Kyle Whittingham. There you go. That's my list. All right, I will be back with another episode of Locked on USC tomorrow. Um, we'll see what I have as far as content. I can probably, you can feel comfortable, I'll have some recruiting stuff. Stuff's moving really fast and furious. And the way the, the victory salutes are going up, the yoo-hoo, coach bat signals. Um, yeah, probably a good idea to tune into Locked on USC every single day, Monday through Friday. I'm going to give you all your news, notes, and info in 30 minutes or less. Where else are you going to get it? So until then, everyone, you kind of know what to do.